The Mirror on the Mountain When the king of Spain's daughter was sixteen years old, her old chaperone went to the king. Sire, the Infanta is growing up fast, she said. Infanta is the Spanish word for princess. Remember, it is her fate that she will marry a young man who brings her to you, who brings her to you from a mirror on a mountain. Bless me, is she as old as that already, exclaimed the king. Let me put on my thinking cap. And he sent for it from his treasury. I shall have my men find me a mountain, he announced when the thinking cap was on, one mile high, one mile wide, and one mile long. On its peak, they shall build me a crystal castle with ramparts that cannot be climbed. I will place a guard at every nook and two at every cranny. I will turn a river into a moat. If anyone can bring the Infanta to me from that mirror, he deserves to marry her. It was no sooner said than done. In no time at all, the mountain was found. The river was turned into a moat. The castle was built. And the Infanta Esperanta Estarella Isabella was sitting beside the fountain in its rose garden with her chaperone. Now just over the border in Portugal lived a poor widow with her son Torto and her stepson Benito. Torto was the apple of her eye, but Benito was the dust beneath her feet. Who had to get up in the dark, light the fire, and fetch the water from the spring? Benito. And who, as the sun rose one morning, saw the flashing of a fiery mirror on a distant mountaintop? Benito. He rushed indoors, his buckets of water spilling over. Stepmother, he said, please give me food for a journey. I have seen a mirror on the mountain, and I feel I have to go to it. His stepmother ran to the spring to see the mirror with her own eyes. She ran back home and pulled Torto out of his snug bed. Get up, lazy bones, she scolded. Run to the spring and look at the mirror on the mountain. That is where your fortune lies. Go now and find it, or Benito will find it first. She got out her husband's best festival coat for Torto to wear. She filled a backpack with cake for Torto to eat on the way. And she put in a bottle of good red wine from Oporto for when Torto was thirsty. Go on then, she cried, pushing him out of the door, and put your best foot forward. For the rest of the morning, the stepmother kept Benito busy. She found task after task for him to do. But when she could find no more tasks, he finally set out on his dirty old, in his dirty old coat with holes in the elbows, only a dry crust of bread in his backpack, and an empty bottle with which he filled with water from the spring as he went by. Torto walked along grandly in his father's fine coat. All I need now, he said to himself, is a feather in my cap. He saw a magpie sitting in a tree, half black as night, half white as day. Torto lifted a stone into his hand and threw it at the bird. Squawk went the magpie, and the black feather fell from her tail as she flew away. Torto put the feather in his cap and went whistling on his way. He met nobody till he came to a little old man sitting under an old thorn bush. His, his head was as bald as a basin, and he wore a leather apron and crooked spectacles on his nose. He was sewing fine snakeskin shoes. Sewing leather is hungry work, the little man greeted Torto. Could a fine young man in a festival coat spare an old shoemaker a crust of bread? 
No, said Torto curtly. I have only cake. And he walked on with his head in the air. Again, Torto met nobody till he came to a little old man sitting on a grassy slope. He wore a jaunty hat and had silver buckles on his shoes. His coat flapped in the wind as he strummed on a harp, singing over and over again, The sun, the moon, the stars are bright. Singing is thirsty work, the little man greeted Torto. Could a fine young man in a festival coat spare an old harper a drink of water? No, said Torto curtly. I have only wine. And he walked on with his head in the air. When the sun was overhead, he came to a wide river. On the other side was a mountain, a mile wide, a mile long, a mile high. And he could see a crystal castle perched on its topmost crag. Torto racked his brains, but he couldn't think of a way of reaching it. He sat down under a tree on the riverbank. He ate up all his cake. He drank up all his wine. Well, there's the mirror on the mountain, he said to himself, but I have no idea how to reach it, not one. I may as well have my siesta here and then go home again. He stretched himself out in the shade of the tree, and in two flicks of a cow's tail, he was fast asleep. Benito stood up from filling his bottle at the spring. Overhead, a magpie began to chatter. Here's a feather to put in your cap, my boy, a feather to put in your cap. And she let one of her white wing feathers flutter to his feet. Benito nodded his thanks to the magpie and placed the feather in his cap. A thousand thanks, senorita, he called to her politely, then went whistling on his way. He met nobody till he came to the little bald shoemaker sewing fine snakes snakeskin shoes under his old thorn bush. Sewing leather is hungry work, the little man greeted him. Is that a crust of bread I hear rattling in your backpack? It is, replied Benito, and you can have half of it. He sat down beside the old shoemaker, and they munched Benito's crust together. Those are fine shoes you are making, said Benito. A finer point to my needle, said the old shoemaker, would make them finer still. Let me see it, said Benito. He ground the blunt point, blunt point on a rough stone before he could say, Hey, presto, the needle was as sharp as a needle. And before he could say it again, the snakeskin shoes were finished. The one who sharpens the needle gets the shoes, said the old shoemaker, slipping them into Benito's knapsack. But they are far, far too fine to walk in, said Benito, thanking him. They are not meant to walk in, the old man replied, twinkling over the top of his spectacles. You will find out what they are for when the time comes. Benito went on again. Again he met nobody till he came to the little old harper sitting on his green slope, his silver buckles glinting in the sun, his coat flapping in the wind as he strummed his harp and sang over and over again. The sun, the moon, the stars are bright. Singing is thirsty work, the little man greeted him. Is that a bottle of water I hear rolling in your backpack? It is, replied Benito, and you can have half of it. He sat down beside the old harper and they drank Benito's bottle of water together. That was a fine song you were singing, said Benito. If one of my strings was not broken, said the old harper, it would be a finer song still. Let me see it, said Benito. He took the white magpie feather from his cap, twirled it into a string, and stretched it over the gap. The, harp drew his, the harper drew his hand across the strings. The white feather sang with the rest. The sun, the moon, the stars are bright, but brighter still shines forth earth's light. 
The one who mends the harp string gets the harp, said the old harper, slipping it into Benito's knapsack. But I don't know how to play the harp, said Benito, thanking him. You will, the old man replied, eyes and shoe buckles twinkling. When you have no idea, not one. Benito went on till he came to a wide river. He stood on its bank beside the tree beneath which Torto was sleeping. But he didn't see Torto because he was staring straight ahead. On the other side was a mountain, a mile wide, a mile long, and a mile high. He could see a castle of crystal perched on its topmost crag. He racked his brains, but he couldn't think of a way of reaching it. Well, there's my mirror on its mountain, he said to himself. But I have no idea how to reach it, not one. Didn't the old harper say that was the time to play the harp? He took out the harp and twanged its white feather string. The harp string sang. He who weds is he who woos. If to be a prince you choose, boy, you have no time to lose. Quick, put on your snakeskin shoes. Quickly, Benito kicked off his old clumsy peasant shoes with holes in the soles, and quickly he slid his feet into the fine, elegant, supple snakeskin ones. At once he found himself lifted into the air and wafted over the river. He flew as birds fly in fables swift and sure in their flight. And if the guards taking their siestas in all the castle's nooks and crannies felt his shadow pass over them, they thought it was only the shadow of a bird. Light as a bird, he landed on the castle's crystal battlements and looked down into a rose garden in the shelter of their walls. Among the roses by the cool, glittering fountain, the Infanta Esperanta, Estrella Isabella, was taking her siesta and nearby her chaperone was taking hers. With just one flying leap, Benito stood beside the sleeping princess. She was a sight for sore eyes, or indeed for any eyes at all, with her long eyelashes and her long black hair escaping from beneath her lace mantilla, a kind of veil. She looked as beautiful as a princess ever could. Benito felt he could never bear to let her out of his sight again. He stood as still as a stone while he stared, and stared, and stared. The singing of Benito's harp-string had wakened Torto from his siesta. Lying drowsily beneath his tree, he saw Benito slip on his snake-skin shoes, saw him soar like a bird across the river and up the mountain, skimming the treetops and getting smaller and smaller till he was a black speck on the crystal battlements. Aha, said Torto to himself. What one can do, two can do. He ran softly back to the green slope where the old harper sat still, his cloak flapping in the wind, his silver buckles glinting in the sun. He was strumming a new harp and still was singing over and over again. The sun, the moon, the stars are bright. Torto crept up silently behind him. He knocked the old harp's jaunty hat over his eyes, snatched the harp and disappeared among the trees. He ran softly on to the old thorn bush where the little old where the little old shoemaker still sat, still sat, stitching busily now at a pair of bat-skin boots. When they were done, he put them on the grass beside him while he yawned, took off his spectacles, and carefully rubbed them with a scrap of chamois leather. When he turned to pick up the shoes again, they had vanished into thin air. Already by then, the bat-skin shoes were on Torto's feet, but his feet stood still firm on the ground. Torto plucked at the harp, but it made no sound. 
Then he noticed the gap in the strings and saw again in his mind's eye Benito twanging a twisted white feather. So he took the black feather from his own cap and twirled it into a harp string. As soon as he twanged this harp string, it began to sing. He who weds is he who woos. If to be a prince you choose, boy, you have no time to lose. Follow, follow, batskin shoes. At once, Torto found himself lifted into the air and wafted over the river. He flew as birds fly in fables, swift and sure in their flight. And if the guards still taking their siestas in all the castle's nooks and crannies felt his shadow pass over them, they thought it was only the shadow of a bird. Light as a bird, he landed on the crystal, castle's crystal battlements and looked down into the rose garden. There he saw the Infanta Esperanta, Estrella Isabella, taking her siesta by the fountain. And there he saw Benito standing as still as a stone beside her while he stared and stared and stared. The Infanta was not really still taking her siesta. The breeze of Benito's coming had awakened her, but she lay still as if asleep and peeped at him through her lashes to see what he was like, this stranger she was to marry. She did not mind that he looked poor and had holes in his elbows in the elbows of his coat. She looked past all that at his kind eyes, and she hugged herself with joy. For the longer she looked at Benito, the more she saw in him to love. When she opened her eyes and smiled at him, he thought she was as marvelous as a magpie, her hair so black, her skin so brown, and her eyes both black and white. I'm glad it's you, he told her, who will take me to my father. She spoke in a whisper, but her chaperone was trained to hear whispers even in her sleep. She woke up, and all she saw was a peasant boy in rags. This was not the bridegroom she had dreamed of for the Infanta. She screamed. The scream she gave startled all the guards out of their siestas. Out they rushed, one from every nook, two from every cranny, shouting as they clattered up the crystal stairways. And as they poured into the rose garden, Torto took a flying leap from the battlements and scooped up the Infanta. Away went bat-skin shoes, away went Torto in them, away went the Infanta flung across his shoulder. Flying as birds fly in fables, swift and sure between the clouds and the treetops. If Benito had stared too long before, he did not do so now. Away after them went snakeskin shoes, away went Benito in them flying as fast as birds fly, swift and sure between the treetops and the clouds. On they all flew to the north, until, as the sun went down, they left the coast of Spain behind them and began to fly over water. Still they flew north, until as the full moon came up, they flew over another coast, and misty land lay below them. What country is this? Torto wondered to himself. But the Infanta who, being a princess, had studied her maps, knew it must be Ireland. Below them they could see lights whirling in rings and spirals along the margins of the bogs. The will-o'-the-wisps were dancing with feet as light as eggshells. When they saw Torto flying black against the moon, the will-o'-the-wisps called out, Moon and mist and marsh together, make the merriest dancing weather. Flying shoes of batskin leather, dance with us among the heather. The call drew the batskin shoes down to earth and Torto in them, and with Torto the Infanta, flung like a sack over his shoulder. Seeing Benito now black against the moon, the will-o'-the-wisp called again. 
Moon and mist and marsh together make the merriest dancing weather. Flying shoes of snakeskin leather dance with us among the heather. Now the will-o'-the-wisps have flighty memories, as giddy as their changeable bodies. And they forgot that ever since St. Patrick turned all the snakes out of Ireland, no part of a snake can land on Irish soil. So their call failed to draw the snakeskin shoes and Benito in them down to earth. Torto was not so lucky. A thousand small will-o'-the-wisps hand, hands held him down, and he loosened his grip on the Infanta. As Benito passed overhead, he swooped. He held out his arms to the Infanta. She held out hers to him, and he caught her. Away to the south, they flew together in the moonlight in each other's arms, till they came at sunrise to the king of Spain's own palace and a joyful welcome home. Meanwhile, Torto was still in Ireland. Dance with us, dance with us, Torto, cried the will-o'-the-wisps. So, helter-skelter, Torto, Torto danced with them. They leaped around him like bright spots of quicksilver, but Torto was angry and danced like a lump of lead. Strip off bats, his batskin shoes, shouted the will-o'-the-wisps. Shrieked and enraged, and a thousand small hands did so. Since you cannot dance, said the will-o'-the-wisps, make music for us to dance. So helter-skelter, Torto played his harp. As he sullenly twanged his black feather string, it sang. The sun, the moon, the stars are bright, but earth remains as black as night. He is playing lies, cried the will-o'-the-wisps. Take his harp and cast him in the bog. And it was in the bog that Torto found himself. When he woke at dawn, filthy and aching, he scrambled out with a face as long as two days put together. Bruised and barefoot, he limped his way to the Irish coast, found a, co found a ship heading south, and worked his passage back to Portugal. And so he came home to his mother as poor as he had left her, and with his father's best festival coat, caked in Irish mud. From that day to this, he has never again thrown a stone at a magpie. So you see, there is still hope for him.